Good morning. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you do touch us in worship. Thank you that you love hungry hearts and, uh, and you respond to our need and our desire. You are so good. Would you just keep coming, Lord? Amen. So um, a while back, I know you probably all know by now that I have a really bad sense of like how long ago anything happened. So I like to say a while back because whenever I say like a couple months ago, I see a look from Stephanie, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't a couple months ago at all. That was six months or a year ago. So a while back, uh, in a, one of our prayer sets during the week, I got a vision from the Lord, um, and he showed me the temple sort of seen from above in a corner, like looking down on this big open space with pillars in it. And it was like um, a time-lapse movie. Um, or a time-lapse photograph um, where a, uh, they make a movie out of taking a shot every periodic, like every five minutes or every 10 minutes or every hour. And so it speeds up. Um, if it's a photograph, then it's just been open for a long time and everything that's moving is kind of a blur. Um, if, it's a, if it's a movie, it's the same thing. You know, everything's just, anything that's moving is like around. Um, and he asked me in this vision, as I'm looking sort of down from a corner of the temple, what's real in this temple? And I'm looking and I see just these blurs of, the, of people moving. And they're like ghosts. You know, they look intangible from this perspective of seeing from a long period of time. But the pillars set there look real and solid because they're unmoving. They aren't affected by this fact that the perspective has shifted to a big, long time. Everything that's still has solidity. And everything that's kind of frantic and going somewhere is just smoke in the image. And I think that's, uh, he keeps reminding me of it now recently, because I think it's very pertinent to write this moment. Um, the, the term pillars in the temple has come out a couple of times, at least. It's another one of my fuzzy words, but it keeps coming up. Um, and recently he said to me, um, it's the things that are stable, that are witnessing to the earth right now because of their stability. Because things are moving so fast and things are, people are darting left and right, suddenly, you know, our eyes are attracted to mo motion most of the time. It's the thing that moves that we're like, ooh. But when everything gets moving, it's the one still thing in the middle that suddenly becomes a witness of something different than what's going on. So the pillars that he's setting in the house become a witness by their stability, by the fact that they are not ghosts blown around by what's going on right now. 
And of course, we have our a lighthouse symbol metaphor um, that's in our name, and we return to a lot. There's that same sense of this thing founded on a rock, unmoving, you know, with its stripes on it so that you can read the stripes if you understand how to read the stripes during the day. And at night, it's just got that steady light going round and round and round, um, constant, so that when all of the things that are moving around or the storm is blowing, it's solid and a witness in its solidity of here is danger, here is safety. So I feel the Lord talking about that right now. Um, I think a lot of us have words that we've received. And anybody, anybody who has come to the Lord received something spoken to their heart by the Holy Spirit at the moment um, when they received him. And the witness of like thousands of years of history is that the word of the Lord over time has to be held on to or it wears away. It gets lost. Um, you know, nobody, like, I, I don't know, how, like, who knows in Scripture because we have those passages that are three sentences long and cover maybe decades who knows how long it was before the serpent came and started going, did the Lord really say? Probably not the day after the Lord was like, don't eat these trees from this tree. Probably wasn't the day after because then Adam and Eve might have gone, you know, we just got the word from the Lord. There probably was some time there, um, which is just my speculation. But uh, let's go to Galatians 5 to start there. In Galatians 5.7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you'll have no other mind. Although he's writing a letter, right, to remind them, to say, be, be strong in what you've received. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So he has confidence in faith, in prayer, in knowing the church at Galatia um, that he's writing to, that they're going to be strong, but he's also acknowledging, I have to write a letter because there are those who are kind of trying to steer you. And this is what's going to happen. This is what's true of every word we receive is that there is an attempt by the enemy and our own flesh to move that word over time. And we have to hold on to it. A devouring lion is looking for sheep to bolt right now. This is how, um, how it goes. You know, there's, in, in my years of decades of experience in the church now, um, it is amazing how confidently people come in to a revelation of the Lord saying, I know this is where I've been planted. I know this is the ministry I've been given. I know this is the word he spoke to me. And usually when that thing moves, it doesn't sound anything like, I know the Lord has now sent me to. It often sounds like, you know, I have a reason and another reason and another reason. And it sounds like I'm very tired now. 
Sometimes, sometimes it is, and I have a word from the Lord. Although usually it's connected back to that original word from the Lord, which is part of the, the like, confidence of it, because he doesn't change, right? He'll say a thing, and then he'll give new revelation, but it builds on the last. It usually doesn't go, never mind, didn't mean that. Here's a new thing. Yeah? Um, well, it, it often is, so, membership in a body, in a congregation, not the body, but in a congregation. I often have seen people go, the word of the Lord is, I belong here. And then when it's, I'm leaving, I'm exiting out, it's, you know what, I'm just not getting the kind of food I need in this house. You know what, I don't feel safe anymore. You know what, there's all these reasons. It's not, and I I say it's not, because I'm referring to these specific um, instances, because there are times where the Lord is like, okay, now your ministry that I gave you, you know, I need you to take it here now. But it's a very different thing, and it builds off of that. It's like, here's who you are. I'm setting you in. And now I'm sending you out is very different than I'm setting you in. And I don't know. I don't know. This isn't, it's, you know, it's not working out like I thought it was. But it doesn't have to be like the congregation we're set into. There's like every word from the Lord can be that way. This is what you are given to do. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. I'm going to set you in this. I'm going to give you a ministry in this. And then over time, that doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe that's really not meant for me. Maybe I'm really not. Maybe my time's passed kind of thing. Instead of, this is what the Lord's saying now to me. Does that help? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the clearest. I mean, I've... Um, at the, the church we were at last, um, it was amazing the amount of people who would come in. The Lord has said, this is where I belong. And in sometimes less than a year, it was, I don't know. Okay. And that's true of generally of the body of Christ. Um, it's not even just individual congregations. It's, I'm kind of tired of church people. I'm kind of tired of church nonsense. And so maybe I'm not really supposed to be plugged in. Maybe I'm supposed to be out in the wilderness all by myself with the Lord kind of thing. You know, I can find him anywhere. That's something people say a lot. I can find God anywhere. Why do I need other believers? Um, But it starts off with, the Lord has given me a family. He has said, I'm part of of this body now. And then it becomes, you know, I'm not so sure about that afterward. Let's go to Matthew 13. This is the parable of the sower or the seeds or the soil. And that's what, you know, that, that is what predators do, is they look for the, those who are a little unsure, the weaker ones, the immature ones, um, 
the ones who have grown a little weary and who can't move as well, and then they try to get them out of the herd. Um, which, yeah, I don't want to emphasize uh, that so much today. Think of it as any word you've been given. He wants an enemy, a roaring lion, wants to try to get you to bolt off of the word you've been given that you're holding. Um, I love oh, the passage that talks about the king's highway. And the Lord says, anybody on it, even though they're a fool, they're not going to stumble on it. And the only way that we don't keep following that road, because, you know, we can be complete fools, but determined our face, focused on him, continuing to look to that holy city we're headed toward, continuing to ask him to keep us on the path, and we're going to be good. It's not a measurement of how, you know, like capable we are, whether we stay on that road. It is a measure of whether or not we get spooked off that road into somewhere where um, the enemy can have at us. So Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then, of course, the disciples ask, like, what was that about? And he <laughs> says, um, I'll tell you, because you're those who are close to me and you um, desire to understand. And so it's not, it's not supposed to be obscure to you. So he explains it. And it's interesting because I think, in general, I tend to think of this as a new believer gospel thing, the seeds of the gospel, and whether or not someone actually um, I don't know, receives the gospel and becomes a believer, right? I kind of shorthand it to the very beginning of the walk that this parable is applying to. But I want to throw it out there that it actually pertains to every single word we receive in our walk from beginning all the way until we see him. Every word that we receive can be affected like this. And only one of these is about the seed not being received. It's only the birds coming and devouring because the seed goes wrong, it goes into the wayside. The rest of it is all about, oh yeah, I did receive something. The Lord did tell me something. And it's about, did we hold on to it? Um, 13.5, the stony places, he translates that as received a word with joy, but it took no root. This is something the Lord told me. You know, I received a revelation. I got a vision. And it's amazing. But I didn't hold on to it. It didn't put down roots to the point where it started coming up and producing fruit. Uh, 13.6, when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. 
13.7, some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And he translates that as the cares of the world choke out the word. So three of the, these four things are about a word we got. This is something that at the moment was so good, I received it. I'm like, yes. But my yes didn't last beyond that initial, which means it can't produce fruit. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So like that pillar set permanently in the temple that does not move, that does not look like smoke in the face of eternity, a tree planted has to have had the time to take root, roots to go down for it to become stable. And so are the words that we receive. Um, yeah, let's go to James one twenty-two. I think this is very pertinent because these things are key to enduring these days. Right now, the turmoil is a testing. James one twenty-two. <laughs> it's great when someone looks to somebody else and goes, huh? <laughs> then I know. I should repeat it. <laughs> it's good. It's totally good. Um, in these days, there is so much turmoil. There's testing in the earth. There's a storm, clearly. There's a storm ravaging Israel right now, and it is spreading. You know, it started off. Palestine, Palestine, Israel, and it has looped in. Lebanon is now involved. Iran is involved. Um, It's spreading, which is exactly what we've been expecting. Why have we been expecting it? Because of the word of the Lord given. And those who are going to be stable and witnesses right now are those who have received a word and are holding on to it, and that's what makes them rooted, that what's, what makes us set. When things come and the rest of the world is like, whoa, didn't see that, and get blown left and right. James one twenty two: be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Have you taken the words given to you and have they actually grown up, produced fruit? Are they actually, um, have they been held onto in a way that they've become part of you and your walk? not just a thing that was like, that was great at that one point. Uh, Let's go to Ephesians 4. We all, just in our physiology, in the way our bodies are designed, we react to things. We have a flight or fight fight response 
to new things. And the only way we don't have that flight or fight response is if we have prepared for that moment. You know, it's um, first responders have gone through preparation after preparation after preparation so that when the thing happens, they're there and they're doing what's needed. Um, Steph and I responded to a car accident many years ago. Um, just, you know, saw it happen, pulled off by the side of the road. The Lord's like, you know, like, see if you can be helpful to pray. For, there was a, a family, basically, just standing on the side of the road. They'd already been cared for. Um, they're just hanging out there, and some little kids, you know, just like on verge of tears. Um, but, you know, like, that's not something that we do every day. We had some preparation just in ministering right? So it wasn't a total like, (gasps) but I didn't have the kind of response that an emergency uh, professional has, sees it and goes into like, I know what to do. We had, we were like, I think the Lord's saying that. I think the Lord, okay, you know, we're, we're struggling through the fact that we don't have this. And this is true in the spirit. This is part of what the prayer room is, is that preparation. And that, um, so that we do, we have the, the, the response to pray when things happen. It's also that we're constantly hearing him. We're, we are going to him and saying, talk to me over and over and over and over again. So that when crazy things happen and those who have not been trying to hear his voice day by day by day for years are going, what do we do about this? there is a company of people who are like, we know what to do about this. We pray about it. We know what to do about this because we've received a word about it already. Ephesians 4, 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So uh, overall, this passage is talking about the word of the Lord moving through the body. You know, he sets in... um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all hearing and speaking 
the truth in love in different ways. Um, and it builds up the body, and the goal is a body that is not moved by, ah, things are happening in the earth. What should we do about these things? The word of the Lord has been shared back and forth, brother to sister, and held in our hearts. We've stirred each other up to love and good works, to remember the things that he's given us so that we have them firmly planted and producing fruit when needed. He talks about the Gentiles walking in the futility of their mind, and this is... um, This is kind of that dichotomy I was talking about of this sort of receiving the word at first. Like, I've got this. The Lord told me something. And it's somewhere in the reasoning that we start to go, there's got to be something a little different. There's there's something in that reasoning that lets us listen to the snake say, did he really say? And we start going, I don't know. Let me weigh that out. It's a very different experience than what are you saying you're talking to me. Thank you, Lord. I've got, I've got what you've said. Let me hold it. Let me keep praying about it so that it does become part of the language of my heart. And it's lovely because it goes, this whole section that I read, which is a little bit long, sorry, goes from um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers delivering the word to the congregation, to the body, until the body is grown up and resistant to winds of doctrine, switch, sh- shifting it to you have heard him and been taught by him, Jesus. Amos I feel an invitation from the Lord, basically, right now, to us. Because I think we all have heard things from the Lord and held on to them. Um, But if you're anything like me, there's also moments where you're like, ah! You know? Um, that this is the point of judgment. One of the points of judgment right now is to test those things. And the places where we're like, I am rock solid on this because this is something that I know that I know the Lord has spoken to me. That those are good things, hold on to them. And the places where it's like, I don't know what to do with this. Those are places where we should be going to the Lord and going, you know what? I have not been hearing you. I've not been asking you in this place where I am sort of unsettled, frantic, blown back and forth with different ideas, I need to come back and ask you about it. Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he's caught nothing? Will a bird fall into a snare on the earth where there's no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if he's caught nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there's calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? 
Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Um, I just want to point out the connection to the fear of the Lord is from hearing him. That he has something to say that gives us that trembling sobriety before him. Um, Connecting Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people. And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. So one of the purposes he lays out, the reason he tells us things ahead is so that we would not fear the things, but tying back to Amos, so that we would fear him. So anywhere we are, feeling afraid right now of what's happening in the earth, what's happening right around us. That's a place where we don't have the word of the Lord and we haven't held it enough for it to have root and bear fruit. Anywhere where we see these things and we're like, that just gives me more reverent awe and fear of the Lord, that's a sign that you have a word you've been holding and it's been getting, it's been going deep. It's being established because you see it and your response is not, do I flee or do I fight this thing? It's hallelujah, you're doing what you said you were going to do. Acts 9, 10. I think I'm not going to read it. It's 10 through 16, but basically, um, the Lord tells Ananias that he's going to explain to Saul what Saul's going to have to go through for him. Um, He says, uh, in 9.16, he says, I'll show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake, which is not, right, we, we talk about this, this is not your typical salvation message, like, receive the Lord, and by the way, Here's all the hard things you're going to go through for me. But he does it. And how much of that was like the foundation for Saul's incredible ministry through his life? Being told right at the beginning, yeah, you are going to be shipwrecked. And yeah, you are going to be killed. You are going to be tortured for me. And what did that mean to Saul when those things happened? How did he face them differently because he'd already been told about them? Not even in vague terms, but, you know, specifically. 1 Peter 4. First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. 
because you've been told already. I'm telling you, Jesus told you, it shouldn't be a surprise. And it changes. If we've received these things, if the Lord's told us to them ahead of time, and we've received them enough that they've been established, then our response is not, this should not be, because we've already been told it actually will be. We don't have to struggle with that, like, well, in a better world issue, you know? It's like, this is what the Lord has told me is coming, and now here it is. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. How do you rejoice? The only way you rejoice is if you were looking for it because he told you. And you're like, finally, here it is. That's how it turns from, uh, to hallelujah. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Not only have we received it, but we've been knowing, expecting, and asking for it. It is a totally different thing when you ask for a cross and someone looks at what you're doing that the Lord told you to and questions the motive of it and thinks, you're off, you're doing something wrong. It's a totally different thing when you've actually been asking, Lord, give me a cross. Out of that place is the, you answered my prayer. Instead of, ah, why? And, miraculously, there is an opening to love the person giving you the cross. When you've been looking for it. When you've been asking for it. When he told you it was going to happen. It's a very different thing. Hebrews 12. Oh, actually, I cut myself short because of a page flip. Peter 4.14, 1 Peter 4.14, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. I have had a very, very tiny experience of this, and it is miraculous and amazing, and the Lord is good. And I still have to keep asking him to help me want it in the future. But Hebrews 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How was the joy set before him? He heard it from his father. You know, he was, he was a man. He was God, entirely man. The only way he received the joy set before him that let him choose the cross was by hearing it from the Father first and holding on to it. Revelation 
Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I almost all, I I, I read this and I always think of testimony as the good things the Lord did for me. And I just want to throw it out there that this is also the things that the Lord has told you that you're holding on to and haven't seen yet is part of your testimony. This is what the Lord has given me. There are of the prophets all through the Old Testament, there are a bunch of things they never got to see before they died. But they had a testimony of a word given to them and a faith that they carried up into his presence and are still waiting to see them come to pass. So there is a lovely testimony that we have walking with the Lord of. And here was a point where I was in trouble, and he got me through it. He took care of it. But there's also, and here are the things that he has told me that I'm holding and some of them actually are some of them are for sharing some of them are not and there is a beautiful power in having something that the lord has told you that he said don't share and being able to hold that just with him because it has no dilution to it it's not subject to anybody else coming along and blowing against it and trying to knock it off Some of those things that he's told us are moments where, you know, Jesus did not defend himself from accusation, where someone has come against you and said this and that and this, and you're like, this is what the Lord told me. And he said, just keep going in it. And there's a beauty in holding that without ever explaining it to anybody. And just knowing that you know. This has been... Um, the hardest moments of my life that I have experienced so far. When I am in turmoil, the thing that always is the turning point in that moment is when I stop before the Lord and go, what do I know that I know? What have you put in me that is the foundation of what you've told me? that I can go back to and hold on to, clean away all the other nonsense, what's left? These are the things that you have said to me. And it changes the trajectory of those moments. Matthew 24. uh, Yeah, Matthew 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in a holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been seen Since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. 
And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There's those, again, those who blow against the word that's been received and try to move it. False Christs and false prophets um, are wolves seeking after sheep of the flock, not things outside the flock. Um, See, I have told you beforehand. It's amazing how much of this, like like this is so much of Scripture. I am going to tell you beforehand so that you can hold fast. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out, or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. So again, um, to try to just summarize this, there is an invitation right now to let the Lord do an assessment, to really see, like, where do I have treasures that I've been holding on to that, I, that will be a foundation um, that are words given to me from the rock who does not move? Therefore, they will not be moved. Therefore, if I hold on to them, I will not be moved. And where am I uncertain? Where am I responding to things as if they're, I'm out of the blue? Where am I getting blindsided? Because I need to take those things back to the Lord and go, okay, I need more words that are set, that are heavy and true and cannot be moved. Um, Revelation 3. And I'm going to wrap up here. So if the response team wants to come, team, people, person, respondeers, response leaders. Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to wrap up. We're going to open the microphone back up for a time of prayer to respond to anything that the Lord has said to you through me talking. Um, So you're welcome to come on up and there will be a worship team kind of like we were praying at the beginning. Um, If you come up and you wait for a nod from the people leading, then you can pray out into the microphone. Revelation 3, 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Just highlighting in there, it's that keeping of the word that he's commending them for, faithfulness in the things that he has spoken. It is a good thing to hear. It is a better thing to receive it and let it grow roots 
Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I'll make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. Also, I'll keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast. So he said, persevere in 310. He said, 311, hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. So, you know, as much as we kind of, the Philadelphia doesn't get corrected, and it's like, oh yeah, it's the Philadelphia church, that's great. They still aren't over the finish line yet. It's not like, oh, you're the church that's good and done. Boom. They still have a work to hold on to the words they've been given. To persevere to the end. He who overcomes... uh, Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write on him my new name. So that pillar in the temple comes right out of the church that's being told, hold on. It's a wonderful, like, you have been stable in the word that was given to you. Therefore, I will establish you as the stable thing forever. So, Lord, um, I just thank you that you do tell your prophets Uh, ahead of time what you're doing and I thank you that you have spoken so many things in this house and that we are seeing them come to pass we have seen them come to pass we are seeing them come to pass and that the response by your spirit is wholly different than the response of the world or even response of um, of the church that has not lingered Lord, would you take us farther into it? Would you remind us of things that we have um, received but not let grow roots? And Lord, um, wherever we do want to just lift up our brothers and sisters, where it has not been told to them that they can hear and receive words from you to hold on to. Lord, would you um, would you just bring in the late laborers? That you are the good God who gives the full reward even to those who, who, who come in while there's still time. listening to you changes everything. Would you keep speaking in this house? Keep pouring out a spirit of prophecy. Keep us speaking truth and love to each other.